Well, good morning and welcome to this assembly of Blade Baptist Church. It's good to have each one with us here this morning. Uh, as we rejoice to be together this morning, we are um, uh, enjoying the uh, company and uh, as a guest having with us Cynthia McGuire. And so you'll hear more about her ministry uh, later and then also in afternoon service. I do have a number of announcements and a few prayer requests to make mention of, so I'll try to do those rather quickly. Um, we do have a potluck uh, alternative, so we have some um, uh, meals that we're picking up and looking forward to eating. It looks like the weather is nice and going to be nice, so we'll actually set up some tables and chairs outside, and any of the young men who want to help with that, uh, we can do that after the morning service, and that will be conducive to getting to, to a meal. Um, we will have no, no evening service then this evening. We'll only have an afternoon service. There's opportunity for Q&A during the, the afternoon service, and Cynthia will share some more about her ministry. If you're wondering about how to pay for the lunch boxes, um, I did clear out everything from the literature box, um, which we could actually pull down from off of the off of all the the cubby holes of mailboxes. But uh, you could just put everything in there. Um, don't put any literature fund money in there today. And then then we know that everything that's in there is for so different than what it says in the bulletin. If you put it in the literature fund box, it will assume that it's for uh, it's the three dollars towards uh, towards the the food, um, and we won't assume that it's a literature fund donation unless you make that explicit and and uh, designate that but otherwise we're looking forward next week um, to prospering as the lord wills uh, our missions giving goal we're trying to raise money for missions during the month of october and next week all that comes in the offering will go toward that sacrificial missions goal unless it's otherwise designated um, on the the last week of Last Sunday of October, we'll have Rachel Steffensmeyer with us. Uh, she's a co-worker along with Ruth Potter. So we'll get to hear hopefully a little bit about Ruth in addition to learning much about Rachel. Hope that is a, a encouragement to, to you. And then lastly, in terms of announcements uh, that are listed here in the bulletin, our church work day, we're going to do that on November 7th instead of the last Saturday of October. October we'll do the first Saturday of November so just uh, note that change that is a change if you have any service review uh, observations you can just mention them to me we won't have any formal service review as we uh, sometimes do on the second and fourth Sundays of the month and then uh, prayer requests there are a number of prayer requests um, not in the bulletin uh, be praying for Joanne she did have a minor fall and so pray that God would be helping her and caring for her. Uh, praying for Grace Baptist Church in Austin and Pastor Milky, um, who's been there a number, just a few years now, um, like the church last week in, in Faribault, uh, both those pastors relatively recent. And then um, the marshals are closing on October 23rd is the plan, so pray that that would go smoothly. Dan is home from the hospital, which I think most of you who were here Wednesday would have would have heard. And then uh, Marsha is a good friend of Steph uh, Hamilton, 
and uh, she isn't expected by the doctors to be able to recover. So, uh, sorry, good friend of uh, Steph's parents. Um, so be praying for for her family and for Steph's parents. Uh, Paul is having hernia repair about a week and a half, and uh, uh, sadly, Alethea and Isaiah, their speech teacher, had a, a, a cousin who committed suicide. So if we could pray for these uh, items as we go to the Lord throughout this week in prayer. Our habit is to look to the Lord with uh, scripture memory, and we've added another verse to to a section that we've been looking to, Proverbs 23, verses 15 through 18. We've already looked to verses 15 through 17. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad, and my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. And then verse 18, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. I think it's easy when we're young to just be thinking in terms of the present. And as we grow in wisdom, then we recognize there's hope and there's hope even for the future for eternity because of what God is doing in those in the lives of those who fear him. So might we uh, trust in our Lord? Might we be faithful in learning the paths of wisdom? Might he change and direct and mold in our hearts? Let us uh, begin in prayer. Can we bow together as we come to the Lord and look to him in prayer? Let's pray. Our Lord, we recognize that our hearts are easily distracted and even our circumstances distract us from looking to your Son, our Savior, our glorious Lord, our risen Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would be focused on him today and that thinking on him, we might rejoice, sing his praises and be faithful in telling others uh, of him. I pray, Lord, that you would bless and direct in each aspect of our worship today. We come as those who are weak, uh, some weary because of circumstances, some weary in body. Might you strengthen, might you heal. We think especially of those whom we've made mention of, We pray that you would continue to strengthen in Dan's life. We pray that as Steph's parents await word of Marcia's passing, that you might encourage and strengthen them and even Marcia's family. We think of the more routine surgeries and pray that you would be with Paul and the doctors as they help him. Lord, our hearts are heavy as we think of Alethea and Isaiah's speech teacher and the cousin who committed suicide. Lord, might you help us to be faithful in gospel telling and gospel proclamation so that others would see that there is hope, there is a future, and that future is 
sure and joyous with you. I pray that you would keep us faithful in telling of our Savior. We thank you for other churches uh, doing that very thing. I pray for Grace Baptist in Austin that even today uh, your word would be uh, rich on Pastor Milky's lips, that your people would be encouraged, that the saints would be edified, that the unbelievers would be challenged with the gospel, and that you would work there in the ministry of Grace Baptist Church. Think of your hand in our mundane matters and pray, uh, thanking you for the kindness as, as you've answered prayer in uh, the Rajan's life, um, being able to sell their house. We pray the same for the marshals that you would continue to smooth that path and make it straight. Lord, as we seek to think on missions through this month, might we be strengthened in our hearts to think on Christ. Might we be using our lips to uplift him and his name. We think of his coming to this earth as a babe, that we might be brought from the childishness of our sin to the wisdom of the fear of you. We pray that you would Rejoice us in what Christ has done. He became weak that we might be made strong. He became mortal that we might know eternal life. He took on a crown of thorns that we might know the pleasure of eternity with you. He took our sin debt and sinless, blameless though he was, he has made us to be righteous in him and lord might this rejoice our hearts might our singing this day might our looking to you in your word this day might it encourage us in the gospel i pray that you would bless and use us in thinking about the gospel even in the lives and ministries around the globe and i pray that uh, even as Rachel and others minister in Papua New Guinea this morning that you might bless their labors. We think of our, our other missionaries that we support and pray for Ruth and for the Galbraiths and for the Smiths. Lord, only you can change hearts. Only you can make the gospel strong and conquering in the lives of hearts. And we pray that you might do that even even this day. Lord, if there are any here, children, older, who don't know you and your son, maybe they've pretended knowing you and your son, but if they do not know you, we pray that even today you would direct them to your son, to our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you have a bulletin, it is our habit to read responsively from the Psalms. So Psalm 17, we'll be reading the first seven verses. Um, pray that you be in, encouraged as we interact. 
Psalm 17, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O Lord, give heed to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my judgment come forth from your presence. Let your eyes look with equity. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you find nothing. I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. As for the deeds of men, by the words of your lips, I have kept from the paths of violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I have called upon you, for you will answer me. O God, incline your ear to me. Hear my speech. Wondrously show your loving kindness, O Savior of those who take refuge at your right hand, from those who rise up against them. Amen. As we continue in praise and worship of our God, the blue hymnal, number 27, the blue hymnal, number 27, Mighty God, while angels bless thee. And I'll invite you to stand as we sing. Hymn number 27, Mighty God, while angels bless thee. Let us sing together. Hey. 
turn with me next over just one page to number 29, O Father, Thou Whose Love Profound. Number 29, O Father, Thou Whose Love Profound. Through the month of October, we've been focusing on missions, and as we uh, have opportunity today to have Cynthia with us, I ask her to uh, summarize her her ministry and what she is desiring to do in Papua New Guinea for us. Uh, what I call an elevator speech, uh, just brief and short, and bring those of you who weren't with us during the Sunday school hour up to date on what she's doing. And then we'll be able to enjoy, she's uh, gifted by God musically, and so be able to enjoy some music which would uh, direct our minds even to the theme of mission. So Cynthia, come. So again, my name is Cynthia McGuire. I am a missionary nurse to Papua New Guinea, um, a country on the other side of the world. I call it a cap on Australia. You've got New Guinea, the island, and you've got the left half and the right half. And we're in the right half. Um, God called me about three years ago to go to Papua New Guinea. I was able to spend 22 months there. Um, my main ministry is in a clinic, clinic setting. Um, 
We have general medical clinic uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. We have prenatal clinic on Friday, and we deliver babies and do emergencies whenever they come up, except for Sundays. Um, it's been a blessing to be able to um, meet physical needs, show the compassion of Christ, but truly through that to be able to um, give them the gospel. Often um, an older man will come in or um, they're all bent up with arthritis and they're talking about how old they are and they can't do anything and you're able to tell them, look, I don't know when you're going to die. I might die tomorrow. You might die tomorrow. But you need to know um, what you're going to say when you meet God. You need to be ready to meet God, and let's talk about that and so many other situations like that. Um, in addition to the clinic ministry, I've been able to um, minister in two church plants nearby. Um, my um, love in the uh, church ministry itself is dealing with the kids in the nursery. Um, none, none of my other team members really love the nursery. I love being in the nursery with the kids and just being able to sing with them, start telling them stories, show them love, help them even develop order and being able to sit down and being able to pay attention preparatory to being able to go to Sunday school and junior church or in children's church. And um, so my ministry in the church is that. We also are able to... Um, deal with women, children, teenagers, teenage girls, and just all the different church ministries that all of you guys are involved with here. Um, so I'm thankful for the Lord, to the Lord for being able to be in the clinic, be in the church ministry there, being able to be in his service there. And I am currently on deputation to go back. As soon as God cuts me loose to go back, I'm, I'm out of here. So, um, but I'm thankful for this time now of deputation to get to know all kinds of different churches and people. And praise the Lord for all of y'all. If you'd like to follow along as uh, she plays, it's hymn number 412 and 542 of Medley in the blue hymnal, 412 and 542, if you'd like to follow along.
At this time, our scripture reading is taken from the book of Acts. Acts and the 14th chapter, but we'll be looking to the first uh, seven verses. Acts 14, verses 1 through 7. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul and and his missionary work, his boldness to preach the gospel in the face of opposition. And even when it was necessary to flee, they continued preaching the gospel wherever they went. Help us, Lord, as we seek to spread the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and his substitutionary death for us. We pray that we might be as bold and as persistent as Paul in his ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, in the Blue Hymnals, Amazing Grace, 247. 247 in the Blue Hymnal, Amazing Grace. Let's sing. Yeah. 
stand as we sing, I hear the words of love. foundation should prod and poke and urge us to praise the Lord. Uh, The offertory this morning is number 46 in the blue, a worship the king as the ushers come. Um, 46 in the blue, a worship the king. And if you're with us and visiting, we don't ask that you put anything in the offering plate. We look to the Lord At this time, might we bow together. Lord, thank you that though we are fickle, you are everlastingly steadfast. In eternity past, you were steadfast. Through all of human history on this earth, you will be steadfast. And though we cannot imagine the ages upon ages that eternity future will be, 
even there you shall be eternally steadfast. Might we ever worship you and your son as king. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. Let us sing together from all that dwells below the skies in the blue hymnals in the back, the Psalter, Psalm 117a. Psalm 117a. Again, standing as you're able, we'll sing the last verse a cappella. 117a, we'll sing the last verse without the instruments. 117, from all that dwell below the skies.
Amen. Won't that be a joyous day when all will sing his praise? My children asked me why we don't sing the amen on that. I don't know. (laughs) We should sing the amen on that. Amen and amen. We are going to much the same text that we just sang. Uh, I invite you to turn to Psalm 8 with me this morning. Open your Bibles and turn, if you will, to Psalm 8. For those of you who haven't been with us, um, three weeks ago we finished up our time in Haggai. And so the last two weeks we've been doing an interim uh, series in, uh, in the Psalter. And this, uh, this day we'll conclude our time there. Next week we'll pick up a few, uh, a few sermons in terms of missions and looking to missions. But here as we come to Psalm 8, I thought it appropriate not to leave the, uh, the Psalms because this really is a missions psalm. This really is a missions psalm. And how do we see missions in the Old Testament? I think we see it in part, verse 1, verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Might the Lord use us to lift up his name of majesty throughout all the earth. Might the Lord bless as we look to his word. Might we begin in prayer, let's bow and look to our God in prayer. Lord, from age to age, you reign and you rule. You are majestic above the heavens. Might our hearts overflow with joy to speak the praise of your name to proclaim the good news of great tidings that Christ has come. Christ lived a perfect life. Christ died, though blameless, on the cross. He died as a sinner, taking our sin. He, taking the punishment that we deserved. And Lord, he rose again, and he is exalted to the heavens that we might have the joy of trusting and then following him. I pray, Lord, that you would rejoice our hearts in this text in the Psalms. Might you impact our lives by it. Might we know and rejoice in your marvelous hand of care, your fingers in creation. Might you get the glory as we look to your word. Make our hearts soft. Teach us. Mold and shape our affections to love and adore you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As you think about the Psalms and where we have been thus far, But as you think even of the psalms before uh, 
Psalm 6 and 7, where we were the last two weeks. You think of the first two psalms, and they really are introductory to the Psalter, the blessing of those who follow the Lord and know the Lord and know the Lord's word, the Lord's path. And the second psalm, the judgment and the sure doom of all those who lift up their fists against the Lord. And then from Psalm 4, uh, Psalm 3, excuse me, through Psalm 7, where we were last week, you find in different ways the psalmist crying out to the Lord, the psalmist pleading for the Lord's help, the psalmist beseeching the Lord's care. And so one commentator has noted how this psalm differs in great ways from those psalms. As we think about the Psalter that we are coming to today, this eighth psalm, having gone through in five consecutive psalms, the dark valleys of lament, the previous psalms excepting the the introductory psalms, the dark valleys of lament and pleas for deliverance in the previous psalms, we hear the strains of a joyful melody rising from just beyond the steep hill represented by Psalm 7. And we arrive at the crest to discover a welcome prospect of breathtaking beauty and awesome delight. Psalm 8 introduces us to the first experience of joyful praise and adoration in the Psalter. And and for that reason, I think, Psalm 8 may be memorized by you, may be well known by you, even loved by you. It is certainly a joyous psalm. As David writes, a psalm of David, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. Because of your adversary to make the enemy and revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the NESB has God, but then the angels, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Hear this psalm of praise, this psalm of majesty, exalts in God's creative power, in God's creating power, and even God's sustaining power in his creation. For David, living thousands of years after the creation, is able to look up to the heavens And to think how majestic God's name is in all the earth, 
yea, even above the heavens. I think as we think on this psalm, we think with David on a psalm that reflects on Genesis creation account. The creation account, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers. Now, all of the children, if you wiggle your finger, how big is that? Right? Just just a small little thing in your body. And yet, the work of God's finger. And God wants us to think anthropomorphically. He wants us to think of him as a man in this case. The work of God's thing, finger just pushing the Andromeda galaxy right into place. That's the majesty of our God in creation. How big would you need to be to be able to push with your finger a galaxy right, right into place? How big would you need to be to push with your, with your finger even a mouse into existence? The greatness the majesty of our God demonstrated and emphasized in this psalm. You see the emphasis in the psalm by the beginning and the end of the psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. Concluding then, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We rejoice Because as we look out on the heavens that God has made, we see very clearly his hand. We see very clearly his great and creative power. His awesome and majestic work making everything that we can see. We, of all people, moderns, Satellites, stellar telescopes, we of all people should know something of the awesome power of God's creative hand. And yet I fear that we, unlike David, don't take time sleeping out in the fields watching the sheep to look up and to see the heavens in their majesty. I, I did try to uh, do, a, I, I did, was able yet last night uh, so the, the sun is going down so early. And last night was just clear. Um, and you could see the, the Big Dipper. You could see the Big Dipper as the sun uh, went down and the stars came out. Uh, majestic. But I did try to see it in a little more expanse. And so I, I went to NASA's website. And they took the biggest picture in all, all of digital photography they took the biggest picture of the, the Andromeda galaxy, just, just the Andromeda galaxy. And that picture, I, I uh, took opportunity to download it. When my download began, it said it would take an hour and 54 minutes. It was 4.3 gigabytes picture. Um, I, I waited and I waited, uh, not with bated breath, but I waited and then when it was all done, the, the file was too big and too different from anything that my computer could handle. I couldn't even open it. This, this is just one galaxy of the unknown number of galaxies. When we think about God's creative hand, when we think about God's power, 
How can we not be amazed? How can we not be in awe? And that's exactly what David wants us to think. That's exactly what David wants our infections to incline towards. That we would think of the majesty of God because of what he has made. And so we'll consider God's majesty in terms of three questions. But before we go there, first the, the introduction to the psalm for the choir director on the Gittith, a psalm of David. Clearly, as is the case for the vast majority of, uh, of the psalms in book one of the psalms, so the uh, psalm, Psalter is divided in five books. Book one of the psalms, almost entirely written by David. This psalm, no exception, written by David. And he says it's for the choir director on the Giddith. Now, interestingly, we really do not know what the, uh, what the exact meaning of, uh, of on the Giddith means. Um, that language on the Giddith or on something, sometimes speaks of an instrument. It sometimes speaks of a tune, a particular tune. Uh, so uh, we will, we did sing Old 100th. Yes, we sang Old 100th, the tune Old 100th, our last, our last hymn there. And uh, sometimes the language of the titles of the Psalter refers to a, a, a hymn tune as we would conceive of it. Um, however, uh, Giddith, is is a language related to the the name Gath, and you'll remember the great and mighty terror from Gath, the giant from Gath, whom David himself slew. Do the children remember who it was that David slew with just one stone? Meredith does. David, he slew Goliath. Yes. Uh, very good. And as, as, as you consider that, then maybe this is something to do with the, the majesty of the Lord and conquering power related to uh, the experience at Gath. But however, given that it's connected with music, maybe Gath was known for some, uh, some particular instrument or some particular tune of exaltation, David's victory over uh, Goliath. Um, However, this word giddeth, uh, it means, so it, it refers to Gath, the, the city, it means wine press, wine press. And so maybe it has something to do with music that the men, uh, that the people would, would sing and a tune that they would use as they tread the grapes and, and make the grape juice. Um, however, one observation that might be instructive, this uh, this language on the Giddith is used thrice in the Psalter. And so Psalm 81 and Psalm 84 also have this same language. And what's, what's interesting is that as you look at this Psalm, and then you look at 81 and 84, they all are very clearly jubilant in exaltation. They are, they are psalms of joy. So whatever Giddith means... As interesting it is, it is to try to figure it out and then to come up wanting in terms of, of a firm, uh, a firm uh, understanding. Um, whatever it means, it, it seems as though it's clear that in the, the usages in the Psalms, it's referring to, to something related to the joy of the Psalms that are noted by that language. 
Which leads us then to that book ending, uh, that book ending um, emphasis that we find here. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What can we learn of the Lord's majesty? What can we learn of the Lord's majesty? And I'll, I'll look to this uh, psalm in terms of three questions. Uh, first, how many? Second, how high? Third, how far? How many people, how many people should look to the Lord and see his majesty? Well, the psalm is clear. You've, you've, you've displayed your splendor, a different word than majesty. Uh, verse 1, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. Those words, splendor and majesty, both are used in the context of another well-known Hebrew word, kavod, uh, weighty, glory, that, that Old, Old Testament word. Um, but they are not that word. They are not that word. And the, the, the term majesty uh, bespeaks something of the, the awesomeness, the stunningness of that which is uh, seen here. It's also translated splendor, also translated at times glory. But that, that term helps us in thinking about the, <clears throat> helps us in thinking about the, a uh, way that we would think about the, I'm wanting to, to look up somebody who defined this helpfully for us. The word majesty expresses a display of power that is all inspiring and even intimidated. So as, as some come to see the, the power that's all inspiring and intimidating, how many should it be that see God's power in that way? Well, the psalm starts with the babes. Verse 2, from the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. Now, whether this is referring to the babes themselves in terms of God's creative work of power, or whether this is referring more probably to the praise which those babes give, in either case, even, even toddlers and babies incline us to think in awe of the God who created. Right? This, this is something that, that Cheryl could tell us a lot about. Cynthia, I mean. <laughs> I, did, I did mess it up. Um, as we think of, of, of what God has done in even bringing about the awesome work of creation in the womb. God, God is kind. God has put on display even among the babes. It's interesting the, the contrast that is laid out for us in verse 2. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. So there's, there's a contrast that's put forth here. The babies... And the enemies and the, the avengeful, those who are adversaries, and, and I, I, I'm not sure as to exactly how the connection works, but even the baby 
can make the, 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 raging, uh, the raging man soft, right? And, and even the baby can, can put to silence a man in his, in his anger, right? Uh, you, you see movies, you see stories about the wicked, uh, the wicked anti-hero, the wicked villain going about, and then there's a cry of a little baby. And they're interrupted in their wicked work because even they have some concern or care. Now, now whether this is going in that direction or not, what is clear is that there's a contrast between the, the mouth of infants and nursing babes and, and what, is, what is lifted up on high and then even the, the great and mighty men who are, who are working in opposition to God, their strength is nothing in comparison to the strength of the babes. This language is used uh, nowhere else in the Old Testament. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes. This language is peculiar here in the Old Testament. The New Testament takes this language and applies it to the, the uh, time just after the triumphal entry. Jesus goes into the temple. Jesus clears it out. And then all of the, all of the Jewish officials get extremely upset because of what he's just done. And as Matthew makes clear, the, 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 uh, the children are singing the praises of Jesus in the temple. In the temple, they're singing the, the, the praises of the Lord. And so uh, they, they, uh, the, the Jewish officials, they're all consternated. They're all twisted out of shape. And Jesus refers them back to this psalm. Does it not say, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength? Or consider Matthew 11 and verse 25, where the apostles are said to be those who are, are given knowledge. And God has hidden this knowledge from the wise and from the great. And God has revealed this knowledge to babes. The, the same Greek word used in, in the Septuagint of, of, of Psalm 8. God has revealed who he is to the apostles. We can think of them as babes. Obviously, the New Testament is going, expanding beyond where the Old Testament is, but what is clear here that at least babes should be among those who proclaim the majesty of the Lord. So the question then is, are you a babe? Do you desire to be but like a child? Not just in your faith, but in your exaltation and in your praise. This how many question, how many should see the majesty of the Lord, clearly extends to the enemies the enemies and the event revengeful, they will be made to cease. In all of their power, they will be stopped. 
But beyond that, next verse, when I consider the, your, your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you have taken, you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Here, here is the heavens that God has ordained, God has decreed, God has put them in place. And, and with his finger, as it were, here in this text, with his finger, he's arranged it all in perfection. If God has done all of that great work, what is man that you take thought, take care? The the word is sometimes translated even visit, that you visit him. In, In all of creation's scope, how insignificant we are. And yet God cares. God loves us. It's been said by scientists that if you take all of the known galaxies and you would condense them down to the size of the Milky Way galaxy, we on Earth would be less than the size of a grain of sand on a beach. Or or just think of the Milky Way with its four arms Extending out, the the smallest of them takes more than 100,000 years to cross, traveling at light speed. Now, God has created more than we can see or will ever find out. As is made clear, uh, one of the prophets, um, he has has created more than we will ever uh, be able to explore and know. And the further they push the, the, the telescopes, the more they see, the more they find. Given the scope of what God has created, what is man? What, what is humankind that he cares for us? Might we come to be convicted that God, who has created all this awesome splendor, the expanse of the heavens, that God cares for us, that we ought to proclaim the majesty of a God who cares for us. How many ought to see the majesty of God, babes, the enemies, man at large, all to speak Concisely, All should see the majesty of the Lord. How high, how high should God's majesty be elevated? How high should God's majesty be thought of? Well, the uh, interesting language uh, here in verse 1 is, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. And that word is particular, that word above. Not in the heavens, but beyond the heavens. How how high should we think of as we consider the majesty of God? That there is no height that we could go to to understand all of his majesty. 
We, we could not explore the furthest reaches of the galaxy and come to an end of the height of God's majesty. Or should we be able to ponder it without our circuits melting down? We would not come to an end of understanding the glory of the height of the majesty of our God. As we think about the Lord being above the heavens, this language is used elsewhere in the scriptures. I think it's used in ways that help us to understand the height of the majesty of the God that we that we serve. This is Psalm 57, beginning in verse 9. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your loving kindness is great to the heavens, and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Psalm 108, my heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your loving kindness is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens and your glory above all the earth. Psalm 113, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who's enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? How lowly the Lord has to become to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. The greatness of our God, high above the heavens. I think this is spoken of in other words, as we think about the greatness of all that God has done in creation. If he has done that, And then he has gone beyond that and done more in Christ. We we who were given dominion over the earth have forsaken that dominion in sin. At least in part. Right? You, you You can go to any place in Africa and you can read of how many how many are killed by the most dangerous of the African wildlife. You know which one I'm speaking of? The hippopotamus kills more, uh, more people than any of the other wildlife in, in Africa. But as you, as you think about how we have lost control of our full dominion, God has not lost control. And God wants to redeem us from our sinful state, abandoning him going our own way, going down our own path, pursuing our own desires. And God sent his son. So I think that 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 is appropriate here. 
As we think about the majesty of the Lord, let us see it in the heavens. Let us see it also in the work that our Lord is doing in us. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. The Lord, in kindness, sent Jesus for us. In Hebrews, this is spoken of in the seventh chapter in terms of the priesthood. And the priesthood in Israel had to have many priests. Why did the priesthood in Israel have to have many priests? Because they kept on dying. They died and they died and they died. Generation after generation after generation. The former priests, on the one hand, the author of the Hebrews, of Hebrews says, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus... On the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it is fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted Above the heavens. Might we rejoice in our Lord? He does not daily, like those priests, uh, need to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of his people, because this he did once for all when he offered himself up. Might we see the majesty of God as we lift our eyes to the heavens? And how much more ought we to exalt the majesty of God as we lift our eyes up to Christ? How many babes, enemies, man, interestingly, that language of man in verse uh, verse number four, that first reference to man is not the common Hebrew word for man, Adam. Rather, it's the word which relates probably to the root word of being weak. It's frequently translated mortal. And yet God, considering man, takes thought of him, cares for him. You've made him a little lower than, probably the best, uh, the best translation would be than the angels, um, this, this translation that, uh, that is used in the NASB is because of reliance on another of the Psalms that, uh, that some scholars think uh, uses this word to speak about, uh, to speak about um, uh, something other, to speak about God instead of the angel, but probably it's the angels, um, uh, or even uh, this word is sometimes used of those who are high as judges. Human judges? Hi. But since the New Testament translates with the word angels, probably best, uh, best to think of it in that way. 
You crown him with glory and majesty. You make him rule over the works of your hand. You will put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea, which leads us to the third question. How far ought we to understand the majesty of, of, of the Lord? How far ought we to promote the majesty of the Lord to the ends of the earth? How far ought uh, the Lord's name be lifted up as majestic? Your name is majestic in all the earth. All the earth. This uh, word majesty is sometimes translated mighty. It's sometimes translated when it's speaking of humans, uh, many times translated by the word nobles. Nobles. So in in society, you have the king and then you have the nobles. The nobles are, are ones who have some degree of excellency. They have some degree of greatness and power. That, that's the word for majesty here. In, in the Psalms, Psalm 96, this word is used to speak of the sea and the waves that crash upon the seashore. This word is used in Ezekiel 17 where Israel will be exalted in the millennium and it's used to speak of how on the high mountain of Israel I will plant it that it may bring forth bows and bear fruit and become a stately cedar. That word stately is our word for the majesty. In in all kinds of ways and all around the globe of the earth the majesty of God ought to be proclaimed. The, the stateliness, the might, the excellency, his power, his glory. One of the older commentators, Puritan commentator, wrote on this psalm, and especially as we think of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, uh, declaring the greatness and establishing the strength of the majesty of God. And, and I thought it so helpful that I, I, uh, I updated the language slightly uh, so that we might not be confused there. But let me quote at length. This is from Daniel Rogers, a uh, a faithful Puritan minister of the gospel. Uh, he lived to be 80 years old, but he's lesser known. I say to you, out of the mouths and sucklings, God will be honored. Even you, silly worm, will honor him when it appears what God has done for you. The Lord can yet do greater things for you if you will trust him. He can carry you upon eagles' wings, enable you to bear and suffer strong affliction for him, to persevere to the end, to live by faith and to finish your course with joy. Oh, inasmuch as he has brought you low, your other lowness will be so much the more an honor for you. 
Does not everyone wonder at God's rare workmanship in the ant, the poorest bug that creeps, as much as in the biggest elephant? Therefore, seeing God has closed your uncomely parts with more honor, bless God and bear your lowly circumstance. Your great, greatest glory is yet to come, so that when the wise of this world have rejected God's counsel, you have magnified the ministry of the gospel. Surely the Lord will be admired in you, a poor, silly creature. Because even you were made wise to salvation and believed in that day, be poor in your own eyes, and the Lord will make your proudest enemies to worship at your feet, to confess that God has done much for you, and envy your reward when God shall judge them. Given how small we are, might we labor all the more to be faithful in spreading the name of our majestic God to the ends of the earth? Might we be faithful in taking the gospel, looking to Christ, and living in such a way that others see we are small, we are but nothing. As is spoken of in Job, how much less man, that's our word enosh, mortal, one who is weak, how much less man, that maggot, and the son of man, that worm. We, we are lowly. And yet, no matter how low we are, no matter how small and insignificant we are, God has given us this great task to lift up the majesty of his name to all the earth. Might we look to the heavens Might we look to Christ and be excited, rejoicing to do just that. Let us pray. Lord, you have begun a good work in us. And we know that you will continue that good work until the day of our final redemption. Might you rejoice our hearts. Rejoice our hearts to proclaim the extreme greatness of who you are, the humble love with which you have come to earth to care for us who are but nothing. Might we rejoice in you and might we be used by you to bring others to rejoice in you. We pray this because of our Savior in whom we rejoice. Amen.